In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Christ is in our midst. He was, and is, and ever shall be. This morning, as we begin to think about this gospel passage, I have a question for you, and it's a rhetorical question, but hopefully at the end of this, go- at the end of this homily, you might be able to answer it as long as I might be able to in a little bit clearer way. The question is, what defines a Christian? What defines a, a Christian? Now, in Israel, in ancient Israel, if you ask the question, what defines an Israelite, they would know what to answer. They would say, someone who is a Jew and someone who follows the law. All of the law, all of the prescriptions, all of the rules, that person is defined as an Israelite. And that person is defined as a Jew. Now again I ask you, what is it that defines you as Christians? So let's talk about this gospel passage today. Because being able to answer that question will help us understand how to interpret this gospel and these events as the Apostle Luke wanted to convey to us. Now we have these two events sandwiched together. We have the healing of Jairus' daughter and we have the healing of the woman with this 12-year-long issue of the hemorrhaging of blood. Now, there's a context that's behind what's going on here. And there's a mindset, something that developed the mindset of the, everyone involved in this gospel passage. And that, that mindset is the law that we just talked about. And they would have had in mind from going to their school and learning from their, from their rabbi and from their parents and at the temple, they would have learned the, especially the book of Leviticus. And Leviticus is, for those who don't know, is a book of the law. It's the book of the Levites. It's the book that says the ritually, what makes a person able to go into the temple and to worship? And what makes a person have to stay home? What makes a person clean, in other words? And what makes a person unclean? So there are many requirements Many of the famous shall do's and shall nots, and what to do when's. And most often they're given to, so that the people can lead healthy and pure lives and to stay away from evil stuff. It gives the list of foods to eat and the foods not to eat. It gave what, what happens if, you, if someone is a leper. When are they leprous enough to stay home? And when are they not leprous enough or, or don't have leprosy at all to be able to be in the temple and go around the public? Now, two of the major ones have, are having to do with the, with the flow of blood from a body and the touching of dead people, of corpses. Right? So if anyone was having an issue of some kind of I don't mean to be too graphic, but some kind of discharge or bleeding, that person was to stay home. 
until that problem was solved. And if they went out, and if they went into the public, not only were they unclean, but whoever they touched would be unclean. And so we can understand this term very much. When this happens, they were told to stay home and quarantine because they were spiritually, if not physically, infectious. So here we have this woman with this, with this issue of blood. Now, she would be considered unclean. She would have had to stay home for the predominance of those 12 years that she had this problem. Imagine the loneliness. Imagine the dire consequences. Imagine psychologically what this did with this woman. But then she heard that Jesus was coming. And she went out in the public. And notice what she did. If she touches a person, that person is unclean. And then he touched, she touches Jesus, knowing full well that he, he would become unclean. And Jesus, knowing, because he's the one who gave the rule of Leviticus, as a man knowing, as he's walking through the crowds, anyone who else could touch him could, would also become unclean. And Jesus let her touch him. And when she touched him, she became healed. What does this say about God? What does this say about Jesus? What he's willing to do? Jesus is willing to get unclean for us. Even though he's God, he's without sin, he cannot be unclean in any way, and he knows it. But he entered into our world, into our world of uncleanliness, and being affected by and entering the world of sin, and he allowed himself to be touched. And the miracle is that not only did he not become unclean, but that he healed this woman. This shows the willingness of God. This shows the mission of the incarnation, that God came into this dirty world in order to rescue us and to make us clean to make us have standing before him, to be able to be in his presence, as, as he is God and man in our presence, we are allowed to be in God's presence. And there we have, this is the miracle that God had made this woman clean, and by doing that, shows that he has come to rescue us and make us all capable of restoration and being made clean again so that we can be with our God, both here on earth and in the kingdom of heaven. Now we have, now we'll move on to Jairus' daughter. This Jairus was the equivalent of the parish council president of his synagogue, a Jew. And he did something very interesting. When he saw Jesus, a rabbi, the man went to him, kneeled before this rabbi, which no one would do. No one healed before rabbis. And most definitely no one ever kneeled before a rabbi, a regular run-of-the-mill rabbi, and asked him to come to his house and touch and heal his dying daughter. This ruler of the synagogue had faith and knew who Jesus was and knew that he was fully God and fully man 
and had the power to come and restore health and, as we see, even restore life. Now, on the way to the house, the Jairus' servants come. They say, don't bother the rabbi because she's dead. And Jesus says, let's keep going. She's not dead. And when he gets to the house and they go inside, the parents and Peter and James, they, he says, the, the, Jesus says, the girl is not dead. And to confirm that she actually is dead, the servants laugh at him and ridicule him. Of course she's dead, they say. Now again, back to Leviticus and the touching of dead bodies. What does this mean that Jesus was still willing to go into that house and touch that dead girl? Jesus is willing to enter into even the land, the realm of death. And touching her, he would be made ritually unclean. But he is willing to be made unclean, willing to risk it in order to save and to rescue and restore us. This is the mission of our Lord. And instead, when he touched her and said to this child, arise, Jesus was not made unclean, and the girl instead was risen from the dead. Now, going back to that original question, what defines a Christian? Now, for the Jew, it defined, what, following all these rules of Leviticus, what defines a Christian is that faith. The faith of the woman. She wasn't concerned about all the rules that she had to follow. Neither was the family. Jesus concerned about all the rules about touching dead people. What mattered and what defined these, two, these people, Jairus and this woman, was their faith. That defines what a Christian is. It's no coincidence that in the early church that the, the Christians called themselves the new Israel. Because an Israelite is one who has a relationship with God. The word Israelite, by the way, means one who sees God. One who contends with God. One who relates with God. So this defines us. That we have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That when he comes, we go to him and touch him. He will make us well because of our faith. Jesus is going to touch you today when you receive the Holy Communion. What does this mean when Jesus touches you? When the priest receives communion, the, first, the last thing he says before he distributes communion among the people, he says, he recalls the prophecy of Isaiah. This has touched your, li- touched your lips and forgiven you of your sins. When the Lord touches your lips... And forgive your sins. Remember the joy and the faith and the freedom and the relief that God has wanted and always wants to give to you and each one of you and to me as well.